Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning and the gospel lesson is written for us in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his sin just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have regained your brother. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as an unbeliever or a tax collector. Amen, I tell you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen, I tell you again. If two of you on earth agree to ask for anything, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. In fact, where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am among them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have once again come to your house to hear your holy word. And we pray that you would strengthen our faith through it. We pray this evening, or this morning, that you would make us stronger as a family. That we would fight and defend each other from the attacks of the evil one so that eventually we will all make it safely to heaven. Grant us your Holy Spirit and preserve us in our faith until that day. Sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Please be seated. In Christ Jesus, dear fellow redeemed. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Have sound judgment, be alert. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Ephesians 6 verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there is no other conclusion that we can reach other than that we are at war. We have an enemy who wants to ruin and destroy us. We have an enemy that tempts us and allures us with sin's delights. Now, it's not really about sin. Satan hates God so much 
that he wants to destroy everything that belongs to God. So it's not really about sin, it's about God and God's family. And you, as a member of God's family by grace, then are Satan's target. We are at war. That's the first threat. The second is this. Jeff Jay was, the, uh, was a merit scholar, a national merit scholar. He was the president of his high school student association. He was the head altar boy at his church. At the age of 26, years of chronic alcoholism and drug addiction had left him empty. He was, uh, he had a bleeding ulcer, a bleeding colon, and neuropathy in his legs. He was broke and homeless, sleeping under bushes in the park. He was suffering and all alone. He concluded that his only way out was suicide. And that's what he planned to do. He rented a, a room in a dingy hotel and set about as a good alcoholic having one more night of drunkenness before it's all over. Then a miraculous line of events caused an atypical intervention in Jeff's life. Someone saw him drunk at that dingy hotel and called his parents. He ended up talking to his parents on the phone. Now his parents had wanted to help him previously, but often their conversations just spiraled down into judgment and criticism and the resulting anger. But his parents had received guidance in intervention. And so that time on the phone, Jeff's dad calmly asked him, Jeff, how are you doing? That question broke through. And Jeff, the man that had been planning his own death, responded, I think I need to go to the hospital. He went to the hospital to detox and then after being discharged from hospital went into a treatment program for 28 days and Jeff began to put his life together. This is a, a great story of overcoming the destruction that sin brings to our earthly lives and our relationships both human and divine. But that's not why I share it with you this morning. The reason I share it with you is for the question that Jeff's dad asked. How are you doing? That question really changed Jeff's life because of the way that it approached Jeff. It approached him in love. It approached him in concern. Instead of being the enemy 
sin was. And so that question marked the start of the fight for Jeff. These two threads are important for our lesson today. First, that we are at war. We have an enemy who wants to drag us into sin. And sometimes he succeeds. Sometimes he snatches members of our church family and drags them away. What should we do? That's the second thread. What would Jesus have us do when we see our brother's sin? He teaches us that you are to fight for your brother. To convince him of his sin and to free him of his sin. Jesus gives us, in a sense, an outline or a process to go through as we fight for our brother. And I'm using brother there in a very general term to, you, to refer to any Christian, any believer of Christ. So you could translate in your mind, brother or sister. But notice that reference, brother or sister. It's about someone we're in connection with, someone that we love. And that really is the motivation for this process that Jesus has instituted. That we fight for them in love. That we can regain them as our text says. So Jesus says that this process begins with us going and talking to the individually one-on-one. You and him alone, the Greek says. So this is to be a personal matter. Now, what's the temptation that we face when we see our brother's sin? It's to talk about it with everyone else, but not actually to go and talk to the person about it. We would rather talk about it than do something about it. Jesus doesn't give us that option. He says, when you see your brother's sin, Go and talk to him about it, just the two of you. Now, that does not rule out seeking advice on how to help someone, how to talk to someone about an issue. You can go to someone who is trained or has experience and ask them, this is the situation, or tell them, this is the situation, and ask them, How do I handle this? How do I help my brother so that I can regain him? That's talking about how or what you're going to do to help your brother. It's not really talking about your brother's sin. So the purpose is that you would do something that you would go to him and talk to him and convince him of his sin. Our text says, show him his sin. 
How do we do that? How do we even have the right to go to, say, to someone and say, what you're doing is wrong? We don't really have that right in and of ourselves. That right flows from God's word. Here Jesus is commanding us to go to them, not to tell them, I think you're doing a lousy job of living your life. And this is what I believe you should do. No, we're there to show them God's word so that they can see that this sin is ruining their relationship with God. It may be ruining their relationship with you too, but that's not the primary concern. Sin destroys relationships with God. And that relationship is an eternal relationship. And that relationship is more important than any other relationship that we have. And so when we go to our brother, we're to show them what God says. And we're to let them see what they're doing to their relationship with God. And so opening the Bible, having them read what the Bible says so that you, in a sense, can stay distant from it. So that they can see that this is between them and God, not really between you and them. And hopefully God's word will convince them that what they're doing is wrong. So that they repent, they turn from their sin and pursue their relationship with God once again through faith in Jesus Christ. This this text holds out the glorious hope that it may work. I know when it comes to approaching people with their sins, sometimes I have this doubt in the back of my head that it's not going to work. That I'll mess it up somehow. There's a good chance of that. But God's word is powerful. And notice Jesus says, if he listens, you've regained your brother. This could work, he's saying. And so we should go in it, into it confident that God's word can change hearts. So we go and talk to him alone, just the two of us. But let's say he doesn't listen to God's word then. Jesus says, call for reinforcements. As you fight this fight, get more people on your side so that you can fight for your brother even better. Get one or two witnesses to go with you that the two or three of you may be able to win your brother over. Again, this isn't to gang up on your brother and defeat him. No, it's so that you have more people fighting for him. To win him over, to free him from the grasp of sin. This seems like an escalation in the confrontation. And it is, let's face it. But who is the real enemy? 
It's not your brother. It's Satan and sin. Is there anything inappropriate about escalating the fight with Satan and sin? Certainly not. In fact, if we love our brother, we're going to go to whatever lengths we can to rescue him. So yes, go and speak to him face to face. And if that doesn't work, get reinforcements. Win your brother. Fight for your brother. Do what is ever necessary. Jesus even says then, if he doesn't listen to the two or three of you, tell it to the church. And in a sense, what Jesus is saying is tell the whole family. This isn't tell the whole family so that they know what's going on and they can know how bad your brother is. This is rallying the whole family to fight for the brother. This is drawing all the resources together so that the brother may be regained. Just think for a moment. If your family knew that you were headed into trouble, what would you want them to do for you? Is there any expense that you would, that you would want them to hold back? Is there any lengths that you wouldn't want them to go to? That's really what this is about. Us fighting for each other as the family of believers. Sparing no expense. Going to whatever lengths necessary to fight. And to save our brothers and sisters entrapped by sin. So this is love in action. Oh, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard to go and talk to people about their faults. It's hard because we're afraid we're going to mess it up. That will make them angry. That will lose them. That ultimately is the fear that will make the situation worse. But if they are already ensnared by sin, if they are already on the path to hell. We can't make it worse. Doing nothing would make it worse. So Jesus says, fight. Fight for each other. And convince each other of sin that we may stay on the narrow path that leads Now, there's a goal in this whole process. The goal is ultimately to free people of their sins. Jesus in this text shows us the, the office of the keys, the right to, to forgive and retain sins. 
And he does this a number of places in the Bible. He did it for Peter. He did it here in Matthew 18. He did it on the night of his resurrection. And we'll come back to that one. So this is not a one-off teaching of Jesus that he gives believers this special power and authority to forgive and retain sins. But Jesus' goal is not that sins would be retained, not that sins would be bound, but that they would be set free. Now, the last step of this process seems like a drastic step that we would excommunicate someone. That is, treat them as if they are outside of the family. Even tell them that the doors of heaven are closed to them. That step, though it may be unpopular today, is really the greatest act of love because it's to show the person the seriousness of what they're doing. That the doors of heaven are closed to them. It is done, in, however, with the hope that those doors would be opened again. Whenever we retain sin, whenever we tell someone because of your heart, the hardness of your heart, your unrepentance, this sin is bound to you and you are not forgiven. That is not said that that state would remain. That is said so that the person's heart would be changed. And then the loosing words of forgiveness would be spoken. That in the name instead of Christ, I forgive you. You are forgiven. That's the purpose. And that's ultimately what God wants this process and the office of the keys to be used for. To set people free of their sins. So how can we have this special power and authority to forgive and retain sins? Well, once again, that, that power and authority isn't innately ours. It comes from Jesus. Jesus won the right to declare sins forgiven, to lose sins. Because he made the necessary payment for everyone's sins. Jesus could go to anyone of any place at any time and say, I made, I made satisfactory payment for your sins. Your sins are paid for. Jesus could do that. But he has chosen to use you and me. And so Jesus gives us this authority to go and tell people that their sins are paid for. And he even says that if you declare someone forgiven, they are forgiven. What is bound on earth will be bound in heaven, and what is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
So I want you to think right now of your greatest sin. Or maybe there's something that's bothering you right now. Maybe you're battling with something. And you're wrestling in your faith, maybe questioning and doubting God. Maybe Satan has a little bit of a hook in you. Or maybe he's got you all the way. Whatever that sin is. I ask you to acknowledge it and to acknowledge that that sin, if it hasn't done so already, has the potential to destroy your relationship with God. And now listen very closely to my words. In the name of Jesus, You are forgiven. He has paid the price of your sins. He loves you. And has loosed your sins here on earth. So that you can be with him in heaven. That's how Jesus fought for you. Sorry, I don't know why I'm so emotional this morning. That's how Jesus, your brother, has fought for you. May we then fight for each other. We are at war. We have an enemy and he wants to destroy us. But we are in a great family, the family of God. So let us look out for each other and protect one another. Let us fight for each other so that together we make it to heaven. To God be the glory now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the the blessing. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.